what I want to do this morning is I want to start something which is really, hopefully, really practical. Because when Jesus said to us, uh, go make disciples of all the nations. Now, how many of you know he said that not just to the disciples then, but to, the, to us now? Yeah. Go make disciples of all the nations. He didn't have in mind what we sometimes have in mind when we use the word discipleship. And sometimes that word discipleship has become a bit of a block for us rather than a help. Because we, we say the word discipleship and discipleship then somehow morphs into a Bible study or a midweek group or it morphs into a program and we call them discipleship programs, which confuses it even more. When Jesus used the word discipleship, he had in mind the ordinary believer taking the kingdom outside the walls of the church to bring transformation in the places that they lived. And when he, he used that word discipleship, he didn't have in mind a Bible study or a program. They're, they're great stuff. I don't want you to think they're bad things. They're brilliant things. And I, I love them. I mean, I could, I could, just the way I'm wired, I could sit in Bible studies 24-7 for the rest of my life and still not exhaust it. But that's the way I'm wired. But that's not what Jesus meant when he used that word discipleship. And that kind of surprises a lot of people. Whenever I take a survey, one of the things that you know, I'll ask is, when I say the word discipleship, what does it mean to you? And 95% of the answers come back, a Bible study, a midweek group, or attending a program. Here's what Jesus meant. He meant training. For discipleship, he meant training. Training people to do the works of the kingdom so that what you see in me is replicated in you and then gets replicated in others. He had training for multiplication so that we all passed on the gospel. He had training so that we knew how to minister healing. He, taught, he, was, he, he was talking about all the things he trained his own disciples in, which is the ways of the kingdom. Remember, Jesus tells a lot of parables about the way the kingdom works because he wants the disciples to understand how the kingdom works. And then he demonstrated the kingdom and then he sent them out to do it themselves. That's called training. We have another word for it in the UK, don't we? Apprenticeship. Th that, that's what they meant. That's what the, the people who were writing the Bible understood by it. And so we need to train ourselves in the things of the kingdom. And... I'm going to talk quite a bit about the kingdom after the summer because it's a big topic and I want everybody to be here rather than, you know, like on holiday. But what I want to just do for, I think, the next couple of weeks, although it might, it might take three, is this. I want to talk about how you hear God because here's Jesus' model for the way of the kingdom. Jesus did... Only what he'd already heard the Father tell him to do. And he only demonstrated what he'd already seen the Father do when they were in communion in prayer. So hearing God is vital to operating in the things of the kingdom and seeing the results of the kingdom. And we, we want kingdom results, don't we? Because our, our only human results aren't cutting it. Um, there's, there's a lot you can do. Sadly, in some ways, there is a lot you can achieve by human effort, human talent, and a lot of money. But I think if we're honest and we face up to what is going on in our nation and the, the, the way that Christianity is evolving in our nation, if we're honest about that, we have to say that it's not producing the results that Jesus talked about. We're on the back foot in this nation instead of the front foot. We're seeing an erosion of our culture. And, and despite our great success in exploiting media, uh, professionalism, and you know, learning how to grow an organisation, it actually needs the power and the principles of the kingdom if we're going to see a change in the nation. And it needs to take that to take place not only in the church, but outside the church. And so we need to learn how to do it Jesus' way because I believe that this nation actually needs something quite a lot more radical than we're seeing. It needs a group of radical believers who are training other radical believers to make a change. And same old, same old isn't working. 
Same old, same old with a lot of money behind it and a big organization with it isn't working. It works on the, on, on the scale of an individual church, but it's not affecting our nation. It's not even affecting our neighborhoods. And that, that, that's not what Jesus meant when he said make disciples of the nation. So we have to reevaluate, I think. And the first thing that we have to learn to do is to hear God. It's really important that we get this. That, that when I say hear God, I mean hear God for ourselves in the way that we're confident that we've heard him. You see, it's not enough to think, um, God might have said that, I've got a funny feeling and a bit of butterflies in my tummy, but it might be the coffee I just drank. That, that's not enough to make certain decisions on. We want certainty that we've heard God, then we can act on it, yeah? So therefore, we need to hear God. So I might be a bit quieter this morning than I normally am because actually I, I just need to teach you this. There isn't kind of a dynamic thing. And I would teach it midweek or I'd teach it in a weekend or whatever, but we all need to hear it, not just a few of us. Yeah. And so that's why I'm doing it on a Sunday. So is that okay? Yeah. So I might, I might appear subdued, but inside I'm on fire, all right? <laughs> just whenever, I've got the red shirt so you can think fire, yeah, hot. But it might be a bit quieter. To live as a new covenant believer which is the covenant of the Spirit, you need to understand how to respond to the way that God's Spirit works. You see, God is Spirit, and he speaks to us on a Spirit-to-Spirit -spirit basis, not a noise-to-noise -noise basis, or a brain-to-brain -brain basis, or an intellect-to-intellect -intellect basis, or a study-to-study -study basis. He speaks to us primarily on a Spirit-to-Spirit -spirit basis. And... We often miss hearing God's voice because we don't understand how he speaks. We say, well, I can't hear God's voice. And, and the reason we, we, we say that is because we can't hear God's voice because we haven't understood that it's a spirit-to-spirit -spirit thing, not an ear-to-ear thing or a voice-to-voice -voice thing. And once we start to understand that, we, we can start to get a grasp of the way we need to respond to his voice. You see, God's always speaking, but we aren't always able to listen, and we aren't always hearing. You see, Jesus said, didn't he, let him who has ears to hear, listen, or hear. Three, three H's is going to be too much to me, I chicky now. <laughs> let him who has ears to hear, hear. That sort of thing. Um, because... Let me, let me make this statement up front, because this is an easy one. You all, all should agree with this. The primary way we hear God's voice is the word of God. Because, that, because we are not fully transformed into the fullness of Christ, everything else has to go through our soul. But the word of God is standard. It's the standard we judge everything by. And therefore, I'm not saying we, we move away from the Word of God. I'm actually encouraging you again to dig into it, to, to, to get there and, and think about it and mull it over and let the Holy Spirit speak to you through it. Now, here's, here's why I tell you that. Because God is not prone to give you instruction or speak to you about things that are in the Word of God. He doesn't repeat himself. So... When he's talking to you apart from the word of God, it's not, all, it's not going to be stuff about his promises that he's made to you in his word. They're, they're not changing. It's not going to be stuff that he's going to have any change on what he said in terms of discerning what is good and bad and, and all the stuff that is in his word. That stays as a standard and that's really important. Because when we're learning to hear God's voice, that's the anchor and the plumb line we measure everything by. And if, he's, if we hear him saying something that's not in his word, it's not right. I, I don't mean that. What I mean is, if we hear him saying something that's not in his word that doesn't line up with his word, it's not right. So, for instance, if, if God comes along and says, uh, you know, so-and-so... Uh, you're, you should marry this other person. But that other person's already married. Okay? 
that's not you hearing God's voice. That might be your flesh, because they've been working out at the gym this morning and they're good looking, you know, that sort of thing. Might be your flesh. More likely, it's the enemy. But it's definitely not God's voice. How do you know? Because your word is your plumb line. And it says that's, that's not the way things work in God's kingdom. So, let's start with this basic principle. God wants you to hear his voice. Yeah, you don't sound very excited about that. God, the, the, the guy, the, 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 the God who created the universe, who, who is able to measure the expanse of all the stars in the width of his hands, the God who made everything actually wants to talk to you. So how cool is that? You see, you're a bit more excited now. Now, we, now we've got it in place. Like, it sometimes amazes me. Like, I think, let, let's say, I don't know, who should we pick? Let's say Prince William walked in here, or uh, somebody else famous. In Cheryl's case, it would be Tom Cruise, you know. <laughs> the excitement that there's going to be a Top Gun sequel, it's just too much in our house. <laughs> but let's say Tom Cruise or somebody really famous walked in here. We would want to hear what they had to say. But somehow, we, 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 we don't have that, quite that excitement and urgency about hearing what God's got to say. And, and so we need to kind of refocus and create some space so we hear what God's got to say. We need to get him up the front so we can hear him. Get him up the front in our lives so we can hear him, yeah? Now, here's some basic things. Because if you have a picture of God where in your mind he's always angry with you, he's looking at all your failures... He's telling you how rubbish you are as a Christian, how much you mess up, how pathetic you are, and how, how you haven't done all the things that you could have done, then you're going to find it really hard to have a relationship with God. Because actually that's not how God is looking at you. God is looking at you and he wants to communicate you, to you out of his love. And in that relationship, he wants you to share in that and love him back. And so, the greatest blessing, and I want you to hear this up front, because by the time I finish, you'll have forgotten, and I'll have to remind you, but the greatest blessing about being able to hear God is not about getting answers. The greatest blessing about being able to hear God is to share his heart and hear his heartbeat. That's what this is about. Jesus said, seek first that, and the rest comes behind it. It gets added. But, but we go after the heart of God. That's what we're after. So I just want to say this. God is not out and setting out to beat you up for your past or your present. Instead, he is calling you forward into a different future by his spirit. God looks forward. He's, he's, he's a God of the now and the future. He's forgotten the past. We might struggle to forget it sometimes, but he says, as far as east is from the west, I've removed it. I, I have no memory of that stuff. Because he's planning for a better future than we've had a, had a past. And so we, if, we, if we want the future to work out in a way that is fruitful and to God's glory, then we need to hear his voice in the now. Because that's what he's about. And he wants to communicate and he wants to share his heart and he wants you to know things like... It, it took me really by surprise when I started to realise this about God. He actually, you know, what he wants to share with us is... He wants us to know what he values, what he loves, what gets him excited, what he's passionate about. I don't think God gets out of bed in the morning, but if God did get out of bed in the morning, the things that get him out of bed in the morning, he wants us to know that. And he wants us to know the things he hates and, and the things that upset him and the things that he's sad about and the things that are painful to him. And, and he wants us to know those sort of things so that our heart can get shaped in that same way too. 
And that, that's the primary goal of hearing God. To know God's ways, you have to be able to hear his voice. To know God's ways, you have to be able to hear his voice. So let's, let's because I've talked a little bit now, let's have some scripture. Because we talked about the word being the plumber. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. And I'll read it to you. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or turn to the left. This is a prof- part of a prophecy that is looking forward to the new covenant. That's the covenant we have this side of the cross. So as Isaiah, he was a prophet to Israel hundreds of years before Jesus came along. He prophesied Jesus coming and he prophesied some of the things that, that, we, that, that would come as a result of Jesus coming. And one of those is that every person would be able to hear the voice of God for themselves. So previously, God had spoken to Israel through an anointed prophet or an anointed king or an anointed judge, anointed leader, whatever. Now, his spirit would be poured out on everyone and all would be able to hear his voice. And in hearing that voice, what we would say is he's saying it would be like uh, God basically sat on your shoulder saying, go this way, go that way, turn right, turn left. Don't take that action. Push forward now. You might not be able to see the victory, but I'm telling you to go ahead. Th- those sort of voices. And, and that's, that was to be the natural state of us as believers. And the, the main reason, and I'll be upfront with you, is this isn't a, a gentle word. The main reason we do not hear God's voice has nothing whatsoever to do with our ability to hear it. The main reason we don't hear God's voice is we don't realise how important it is to do so. So we don't value it. It, It's not in our priorities. I'll take that a step further. It's not just about hearing his voice. So we don't realise how important it is to hear his voice, but neither do we realise how important it is to be committed to do what we hear. Because it's one thing to hear something, it's another thing to actually have set your heart to say, I'll follow through with what I hear. Instead, what many, uh, all unbelievers, but many believers do too, is they relate most of their life through their flesh. Running on the same principles as the world run on. And as a result, we, oft, we have this capacity to make decisions and take actions, not on the basis of having heard God's voice, but on the basis of uh, looking and seeing what other people are doing, what their insight is, and acting on what other people are doing. On the basis that we've observed them, It's turned out all right for them. It didn't kill them, so it must be all right for me. And so, a lot of the time, believers run on that same basis. And yet, that was never the basis that Jesus ran on. Jesus ran on the basis that he only did and only said what he heard the Father say and what he saw the Father do. And so... The basis on which we run our lives is much more radical than currently we're experiencing, I believe. You might disagree with him. You might say, well, that's not the way I run my life. Well, that's okay. That's brilliant. I'm not talking to you. I'm I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to everybody you'll hear. Because... You know, when we, when we ask God and we cry out for revival, we actually need to know how God wants to bring it and what to do to play our part in that. And amazing as it may be, the, the, the greatest motivational speaker speaking from the front of a church is not 
the same as bringing revival moved by God's spirit. So we need to hear where the spirit's going and what the spirit's doing. Is this making sense? So no, remember I talked, I can't remember, it's last week or week before, I talked about what's abnormal, that, that we don't live a normal lifestyle. That, that, that the church and the body of Christ in, in the West doesn't live normal Christianity. What we live is abnormal Christianity. Because normal Christianity would be to see the things that the disciples saw in our lives on the same consistent basis as they saw it. To see the same results as they saw so what we're living is an, is an abnormal form of it, where a lot of it has been uh, lived from our flesh instead of from our spirit. I kind of thought this was going to be a gentle word this morning. It's not turning out that way, is it? Um, John 6, 13, 16, 13. He's talking about how uh, when he sends, Jesus is talking about when he sends the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit will do. And he says, he will guide you this is the one on your shoulder, remember, that Isaiah prophesied. He will guide you into all truth. What he hears, he will speak. And he will show you things to come. So there's something of an element of the Holy Spirit pointing us into our future. Pointing us into our destinies. Pointing us into... Um, the, the, the pitfalls that are going to get in our way and helping us by giving us wisdom and understanding and telling us whether to turn left, right or carry straight on or, or take a different course completely. And that's why it's really vital for us to hear the Spirit because when we, when we hear God's voice like that, we'll be a whole lot more fulfilled and a whole lot more fruitful. That thing about, um, let me just see how much time we've got. Yeah, I'm okay. So that thing about seeing the future is, is kind of an odd sort of way it works. And, and this is one that, when I first came to Cambridge, or when we first came to Cambridge, uh, I came down, lived down here for nearly 18 months on my own and, and went back and forth at weekends because I was originally only coming for three years as part of my job. And... What happened was when I transferred down from Manchester, I gave up all my client portfolio, all, all the, the, the business base that I'd built up and came down here to a completely empty desk to take over a business that was struggling uh, and to try and breathe a bit of life into it and build new clients. And I'd only, uh, I think it was like the, the second week and I was sat in my, my hotel room at the uh, what's it called now? The Double Tree. Double Tree, yeah, Double Tree. And I was reading the Bible and I started reading Second uh, Corinthians and it said, I have come, it's Paul talking, he says, and the Holy Spirit comforted me so that I may also comfort you. And I just carried on reading and that, that sentence was nagging me. And I said, well, like, what, what's the relevance of that to me, God? Because I keep going back to this sentence, but I can't, I can't see anything in it. And he said, and it's kind of one of those moments, he says, no, later on today you'll understand. Now that's really not helpful. <laughs> later on today you'll understand. Now what happened that day is that I went into work and found out that actually the things that had been portrayed to me weren't actually what was happening. And that was a real, uh, and, and that I'd been stitched up to some extent. And that, that was a real problem because having given all my clients away up north and moved down here and, and my family here and we, we'd made the commitment to come, it wasn't turning out in any way like it had been portrayed that it should turn out. And so I was really upset about that. And I, was, I remember walking out the office and going for like a, a stomp all around Market Square and King's Parade and along the backs and doing my worries me. And, and God said, remember what I told you this morning about I'm your comforter? Because when you come through this, you'll be able to share that with other people so that they know I comfort them too. And so that's kind of the way the Holy Spirit interacts with us, really basic, practical level in our lives. So here's some basic principles for hearing God. Who wants some basic principles? 
So just say after me, this isn't complicated. I can do this. If Mark can do this, anybody can do this. Yeah? Here's your basic principles. First one, you have to expect to hear from God. If you don't expect to hear from God, you're not going to hear from him. You might hear from some other stuff, but you're not going to hear from God. Second principle, the first step in hearing God's voice is to desire it. You have to want to hear God's voice. And the third thing is this, as long as you can live without hearing God's voice, you will. As long as you can live without hearing God's voice, you will. The more I move in my journey with Christ, the more I realise how radical this gospel is. And the more I realise the extent of abandonment of self to see the glory of God in my life is needed. Because as long as I can run my life with a modicum of input from God, thinking, well, I'm a Christian, if, if I come along, you know, I go along to church, you know, every so often, and I pray every so often, God will bless what I'm doing. Now, God is a blesser, and he loves you, and he will bless you. But, life won't go in the course he intends, because we're not hearing his voice. And, as long as we can get through in life, running with uh, all that logic and you know, fleshly input and worldly input and going along, because it's worked out for all our mates and it worked out for Auntie Agatha and it worked out for Uncle, Uncle Fred and, and, and Bob down the road, he's doing all right. Look at the size of his house, look at the size of his car and he's just got a new BMW for his wife and, and all that sort of thing. And, and they, they must have it nailed. Well, if you think everybody who's famous has it nailed, you watch the film A Star Is Born like we did. Fame and worldly things don't actually tell you what is going on inside a person. And it's the inside a person that God cares about. And so as long as we get by running on the wisdom of all those other people, we won't actually hear God's voice. It's when we come to the end of that and saying, actually, I need an alternative way that we'll start to hear him clearly. Now, let me be clear on that. It's not that God hasn't been speaking to you all along. He has. He's always speaking to us because his heart is for us. It's just that we haven't been able to hear it. Um, you all know the first part of Jeremiah 29, verse 11, but it's really interesting what it goes on to say. So, Jeremiah 29 says what? I know the plans I have prepared for you. Yeah, pretty close. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Depends what translation you use, doesn't it? But it's generally good news, isn't it? Then he goes on and says this. Then, so he's talking about what happens when Israel's relationship with him is restored. Then you will call upon me, and go and pray to me, and I'll listen, and you will seek me and find me when? You will seek me and find me when I get five minutes in the morning. You'll seek me and find me because you went to church this week. You'll seek me and find me because Mark preached this sermon about hearing God and you're going to do it on Monday. You'll, see, you'll hear my voice when you seek me with all your heart. When you really want to hear God's voice, that's when you'll hear it clearly. Now, that's re I find that really encouraging because it tells me how I can hear God's voice. And it tells me how I can get out of my own wisdom and get to something better than my own wisdom. And if you knew what went on in my head, you want to get something better than my wisdom as well. <laughs> so this tells me how I can get to that. But it also tells me that... The more I seek God with my heart, the more clearly I hear him. But here's the thing. 
it tells me that if I'm not after him with all my heart, what I am hearing is unlikely to be clear and could be dangerous. So there is a danger in superficial spirituality. Much more danger than there is in being sold out and radical for God. Because superficial spirituality, you can wreck your life chasing after things that God never said. And I've seen that. But we want to hear God clearly and have that level of certainty. Kind of forgot where I'm going now, so better look at my notes. So the very first step in hearing God and improving our receiving, our receiver is to decide that God has got your heart. And then to ask him to show you his heart. Because when you see his heart, it sets you up to hear everything else. Because you can't look at God's heart without being passionate for that heart and without it consuming you, which it will, because it's so beautiful, it's so amazing. Let me just go on a bit further in John. So I'm just going to skip a couple of slides. So I'm going to John chapter 10. So it's John chapter 10, verses 1 to 5. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them. When he brings them out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. They will no, by no means follow a stranger, will be flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So let me, let me just show you some things here that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish off with you guys doing a little exercise. So here, first principle, verse 3. Sheep hear God's voice. Sheep hear Jesus' voice. I want you to see that he doesn't say sheep can hear God's voice or sheep should hear God's voice. It says that they do. So the problem is actually not are we hearing it. The problem is are we receiving it and paying attention to it. So you can, and, and Cheryl tells me apparently, I, I deny it all, but apparently being a man... There are certain things where Cheryl can talk to me for a good 20 minutes and I have said yes to everything and I have no recollection of anything she talked about. <laughs> Apparently. That's kind of what it's like. I mean, us men should be able to experience this a lot better than the ladies, apparently. Allegedly. But it's kind of like that with God's voice. In that it, he's talking all the time and we are hearing but we're not recognising it because we're not giving it attention. You see, sheep hear the voice, but they also respond to the voice. Right, so why is that? Well, here's, here's why that is, and I'm going to build on this next week. So, because remember I said at the start that God speaks to us on a spirit-to-spirit basis. So when he speaks to our spirit, the way it manifests is... Uh, with like a sudden knowing or a joining up of our thoughts or a left field thought coming in. It, it's something that, that takes something that seemed incomprehensible and makes it comprehensible or, or, or something that we would never have thought of because we, sometimes we're totally like, no, no way would I do that. And then suddenly you go, oh yeah, that's a great idea. It, he speaks to us in that way because it's a spirit to spirit. But we then need to recognise that and receive it. There's a, you know, the, the old guys on Top Gear, not the new ones, but, you know, the ones that, uh, what they call Clarkson and all them sort of stuff. So a few years ago, they did this thing, and they, I think it was the year that we, we went, took the mission trip out to Ukraine, but they basically set them off at the beginning, bottom of Ukraine in, a, in three different cars with tanks of petrol, 
and told them that they had to drive all the way across Ukraine to, to Russia without exhausting their tank of petrol. And one of them, I can't remember which one it was, um, was driving through, and he was, he was driving through this town, and the whole place was abandoned and derelict and falling down, and he, and, and he ran out of petrol in the middle of it. And they left him there, <laughs> which wouldn't have been a problem, except the town was Chernobyl. And when he was there, he goes, I, how, how was I supposed to know it was Chernobyl? So this helpful BBC or whatever guy he was walks on with a Geiger counter and it goes click, 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 click. You see, the radiation was always there, but unless you actually have a receiver and recognise it, you don't know. And it's like that with God. We actually have to turn our attention to his voice. Right. You see, let's say you have a, your, your Geiger counter and you know you're sat in the middle of Chernobyl and there's nothing come out of it. You don't say there's no radiation because you know there is. What you try and do is fix your Geiger counter, so turn it on or adjust the dials or whatever. So we need to just adjust some of our dials so we're actually receiving what God is already speaking. Right, so second thing I want you to get from this passage. He calls his own sheep by name. God speaks to us on a personal level. It's not a general voice. It's not like something that comes from the back of Trumpington on a Sunday morning. It's to you specifically that you want to be hearing. Why does he do that? Because he cares about you as an individual and he's after relationship with you. He's not looking here as we learn to hear his voice and we start to understand what's going on in his heart. He's not looking here for the sort of surrogate relationship we have because we're part of a body. He wants to take that down to an individual level as well. So we can't relate to God just purely because we're a member of a church group. We relate to God because he's speaking to us personally. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't speak to the church generally. He does. And I'm not saying he doesn't speak to faith life generally he does and he did this morning although some of that was kind of general and some of it was aimed at specific people that he was wanting to communicate with but the truth is God knows your name he cares about you he knows every single thing that's going on in your life at the moment he knows everything that's been spoken to you he knows everything that's been said to you every good word every bad word every circumstance every issue that's gone in your life and he has something to say about it and he has something that will comfort you and strengthen you and encourage you and edify you and build you up. And he wants to get it to you. So the third thing is we need to listen. But we need to listen in such a way that we can discern what is God's voice and what isn't God's voice. So we respond to God's voice and not to the other's. So how do we do that? Well, I want you to, if you've, got, if you've got notebooks, I want you to write, you know, get them out and write these, these simple, like, practical things down. And we'll go into a bit more depth next week. But the first thing is this. You are surrounded all the time by white noise. There is noise and stuff clamouring for your attention all the time. And it's really the challenge of our generation to find a space where we can calm our minds. Because our minds are on overload all the time. You know, just driving, if you drive down Hills Road or Trumpington Road or Histon Road or whatever, there's advertising, there's noise, there's lights, there's, there's people trying to sell you things, there's information, there's 
noise blaring out of cars, there's stuff popping up on your phone, your sat-nav's going, everything's going all the time. And we, 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 we've managed to create for ourselves a generation where it's actually quite difficult to, to, to still our minds so we can hear God. Um, and, the, you know, one of the major culprits in that is your mobile phone. Because you can sit down to hear God's voice and there's just something bizarre about mobile phones. I'll just check my WhatsApp before I do it. <laughs> no! If you, if you, or, or a message pops up, or it rings, or, you know, just anything, you're never going to get there. Because <laughs> if you look at anything, it's going to fill your mind with thinking about that thing. Yeah. And yeah. you're going to find it hard. So the first thing I, I would say is if you really want to hear God and you want to practice this, You've got to actually have a little bit of discipline where you do create some space where you get away from that white noise. Because God isn't going to shout to you over the noise because he has a still small voice. We have to get rid of the noise to hear the still small voice. And if we don't create that space, we won't hear that voice. Because he, he doesn't come shouting. Here's the second thing, and, and this is the, one of the biggest things I hear as a pastor, and I think Cheryl leads it even more than I do. I can't do that because my life's too busy. Well, your life's wrong. If your life is seriously that busy, you are going to die early. And that is not what God wants for you. But I suspect most of us are just filling our life with good stuff. Not bad stuff, filling our lives with good stuff. But the thing about filling our lives with good stuff is it misses out on the great stuff. And somehow we have to take some of the good stuff out of our busyness and insert some great stuff, which is a bit of downtime, a bit of quiet, where you can hear God's voice. Now, here's the bit that following on from that. This is my last point before I give you a little exercise to do. People talk about, oh, I just need a bit of quality time. When people say I need a bit of quality time, Here's the reality of what they're saying. I need five minutes that I'm going to try and cram in a load of stuff because I recognise I've been neglecting my wife or my kids or whatever. That's not, that, that could be a quality five minutes. But we don't just need quality time with God. We actually need some quantity yeah. attached to it too. And that's, that's the, the more challenging bit. Because... It takes a quantity of time to still your mind, settle down, and be able to hear God's voice. And that's why I said earlier, if you can get by without hearing God's voice, you will. Because it's going to take some quality, and it's going to take some quantity. Because in five minutes, you, I, I've tried it, you can't, it's so hard to get your mind to stop thinking and Stop going all over the place and what you're going to have for dinner and what you're going to do this and what about the kids and what about that and what about this. It takes a good 15, 20 minutes sometimes just to be able to get to that place. Here's a really interesting thing. Once you get to that place, God talks really quickly, but you have to get to that place. And God can say to, something, to you something in 20 seconds that will change your life but he needs the 20 minutes beforehand so you can hear it. And so we have, to, we have to learn and practice that. And that's a challenge to us in our busy lives with our social media, media-focused phones and all the rest of it. But it's a challenge that we've got to go for. Because it's no good, and, and I say this with great love, it's absolutely no good going to prayer meetings 
praying for two hours for revival and then not creating the space to hear God's voice. It's pointless. You need to do both. But if you can only do one, you hear God's voice. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to just take a few minutes now, because I know you haven't got 20 minutes, and even if you had 20 minutes, somebody will wander around and disturb you. So you need to do that at home. But what I want you to do now is just take a few minutes and I want you to write down some of the things that God has spoken to your heart while I've been talking. And at the end of doing that, so just take a few minutes to do that. At the end of doing that, I want you to, with the, the, the person next to you or two or threes together, I want you to pray over each other a little passage from Ephesians where it talks about how we will be full of the fullness of God when we know the love of God. And that's Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 16 and finishing at verse 19. And I just want you to pray the things that are in those verses over each other. Is that okay? You can, Joel's going to bring a testimony. Well, it's not really a testimony, it's a sort of, Um, I remember hearing this and it really spoke to me. Uh, it was about the um, Twin Towers that went down. I think it was a long time ago that I heard it. I think it was Billy Graham's daughter, Anne. Uh, she was being interviewed shortly or, or a little while after. It may not have been her. It could have been someone else. Um, but uh, in the interview, uh, the the person that was uh, being interviewed, I won't say Anne because I'm not sure it was her, um, they asked her, um, so where was God in all of that? All of those people died and, uh, you, know, you know, you have this God, why didn't he stop it? And I thought, wow, that is a big question on air to be asked. And uh, I thought the answer was a wise answer that came. And the person said, yeah, I asked God that question too. You know, why didn't you stop it? You know, this was a horrendous things. And there's been other horrendous things in the world over the centuries. And, um, and this was the answer that she got. And he said, God said to her, I can't always stop things because there is free will. And, you know, he doesn't step in always to stop bad things happen, one day he will, <laughs> in that final moment when the, you know, new earth comes and um, Jesus comes back. Um, but until then, the enemy has a part to play in this world as a prince of the air, and he does stuff, and God can't always step in. But he said, what I do do is I speak to everybody. And on that awful day, when the Twin Towers came down, he said, I spoke to everybody going in. And I told everybody, don't go. And he said, some heard me and didn't go. And they went home, didn't know why, but felt not to go. And, and there's been testimonies of people that heard the voice of God, don't go in. And they've given testimonies. I heard, I knew not to go, didn't know why, but I didn't go. Um, some heard me, and they still went because their reasoning was saying, well, I'm hearing God say not to go, but maybe I'm not right. Maybe I haven't got that right. Why shouldn't I go into work? And they went in. And he said, and some didn't hear at all. And, and that really spoke to me. Um, that how God, it, it showed me the heart of the Father, that he's always speaking. He doesn't want us to go through these difficult things if he can get his voice heard don't go and the testimony was um uh I, it's a number of years ago now and mark was uh going to the office in london um had a meeting in london and he was cat he had a meeting at russell square in london when there was the terrorist uh, activity and the bombs going off in london and he was catching the train from Cambridge Station going to Russell Square. And on his way to the station, he felt the, heard the voice of God 
say, don't catch that train. And he thought, oh, well, or not, not to go. Don't go. Go back to the office. And he thought, well, I've got a meeting. You know, what, what do I do? But he obeyed the voice of God. He went back to the office and he caught the next train. And I think he let the person know that he was a bit delayed. Um, God told him not to go. So he went on the next train. If he'd have caught that train, the earlier one, he would have been in Russell Square when that, there was a bomb went off and a lot of people were killed. And at that moment, he could have been walking in that area. But because Seth, he heard and he obeyed, because that's the other thing sometimes we hear and we don't obey, but he heard and obeyed, even though, you know, he had to ring a client as a partner, you know, you don't do that thing, but he knew it was God's voice. And he thought, I better obey God's voice and I'll know why later. And I got a phone call saying, Cheryl, don't worry, because I knew he was going to London. Um, I, God said not to go. I'm, I'm on my way, but I'm not there when that happened. And I just, it, it really then made us realize how important for our life it is to hear the voice of God. But it also showed me the heart of a father that is always speaking, always trying to get to us what we've to do, what we've not to do. And he can't stop everything. And we don't always hear. And yes, we're busy. And sometimes things happen. But he's right there with us. And he'll bring that comfort if we haven't obeyed and we've ended up in a bit of a mess. Um, you know, for those that know the Lord, the good thing for them you know, when there's tragedy is they end up with Jesus, but not good for their family who was left behind. Um, so the heart of the father is to get his voice heard by us. And so when we hear stories like that, it makes me more determined that if he says I can hear his voice, then I need to do what I need to do to be able to hear his voice every day. And then we do our day with him and listen to his voice, and go this way or that way, and become that person that is in the spirit, listening to the spirit. Yeah? Amen. The instruction is to just write down the things that God has spoken to you this morning while he was listening to the preach. And that's the instructions. I don't mean... Your notes, I mean the things he spoke to you, the things he thought, oh, I need to do that. I need to pay attention to that. I'm challenged by that. I have no idea how to do that. All that's good stuff.